Missing people, murders, serial killers, frauds, heists, and mysterious events. The most infamous true crime stories from around the world, told in 10 minutes. Find 10 Minute True Crime on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast player. And welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast. It's our season seven finale. I'm Mark. Woo! And I'm Bethan. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Yeah, thank you for coming back. It's been a long season and uh, we've got a two week break after this episode. So we'll be back uh, maybe the third week of August, I think. Something like that, yeah. With our season eight premiere. So uh, look out for that, yeah. So before we start, we wanted to say a huge thank you to our newest patron supporters. So we've got Saran Kitchener. Danny, Layla Hodgson, Amber Watson, Hayley Schofield, Holly Jackson, Eileen Hudson, Juliet Drummond, Severin Anderson. Um, this one really made me chuckle. Mark's mm. huge ass. I saw this. Yeah, thank you for that, whoever you are. <laughs> um, Bailey Craw and Rebecca Vale. Thank you to each and every one of you and, of course, to all of our existing patron supporters. If you'd like to join this, uh, this group of people, all you need to do, <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying, all you need to do is head over to patreon.com slash seeingredpodcast. We've got 38 bonus episodes on there now. We've got probably nearly a dozen episodes of Crime Wave, which is our Patreon-exclusive podcast, and loads of other stuff as well. We've got a great competition on at the moment as well, haven't we? We have. It's a huge competition with loads and loads of different prizes. So if you are a Patreon supporter, head over to patreon.com and take a look at the posts. And then if you would like to win any or all of the competitions, if you like the look of all of them, just pop a comment underneath. Um, The winners will be drawn and notified, I think I said the last day of August, which I think is a Monday, but it, it might be the Sunday, I'm not sure. And if you're not already a Patreon supporter, to be in with a chance of winning, if you sign up between now and then, as long as you're still a Patreon supporter by the end of August, then you'll be in with a chance of winning. So yeah, there's loads of stuff, isn't there? We've got stuff that I uh, bought in Alcatraz. We've got signed books, all sorts of stuff. Yep, um, some goodies from other podcasters who've written books, so some signed books from them, and then also some goodies from CrimeCon, which was really good fun, wasn't it? Yeah. So this week we have a listener suggested case. So thank you to Charlene.Thompson on Instagram. Thank you very much. Our case this week begins on the 19th of May 1991 and we are going to be heading, Mark, to Northern Ireland. I wonder if you know this case or not. So I'll be interested to know if you know this one. Was he a dentist? He was a dentist. Did you just read that on my script? No, I just saw the name Colin and I thought, yep. I kind of know it, but I don't. Oh, okay. And it is, it is, it is, um, it, it is a gr- great case to be suggested for us to cover. So, uh, yeah, I do vaguely know it. There was an ITV drama, wasn't there, with there James was. Nesbitt? But I, I never watched it. I love James I'm, Nesbitt. 
I'm not a fan. Are you um, not? I'm not. No, I don't. I don't like him. But no. uh, but yeah. So I don't really know much at all. But I, I know a bit, and it is super interesting. So Colin Howell was a dentist, a father of four, and a lay preacher at the local church at this point in May 1991. He often played guitar during Sunday services at Coleraine Baptist Church in Northern Ireland. And Leslie Howell was a nurse, and the pair were respected and well-liked within their community. By this point in 1991, the married couple had four children, as I said. Um, There's a lot of children involved, so I'm just kind of trying to keep track of how many people had at different times. It's quite mad. I'm just thinking to myself, God, having two is enough. This is bonkers. So... Colin Howell claimed that a man called Trevor Buchanan had come to his home the previous night, so the 18th of May, and it was the night of one of his son's second birthdays, and he'd actually come to the house with Colin's wife, Leslie. Leslie and Trevor had been having an affair. There was an altercation between the two men which resulted in Trevor, who was a scenes of crime officer with the Royal Ulster Constabulary, striking Howell before leaving. Howell had headed up to bed, leaving his wife lying on the sofa, but when he woke up the next morning, he found her gone. Previously, his wife had overdosed on tablets when she found out about an affair that Howell had been having, so he was worried about her. He rang his church elders and the police to report her missing, saying that she had been drinking, and he was worried that she could have been in an accident. And he also told the authorities that she had left him an emotional handwritten note in the house, um, like a suicide note. He'd alerted one of the church elders called Jim Flanagan and asked him to go to his wife's late father's house. So a row of houses at Cliff Terrace nearby were known as the Twelve Apostles. One of them, number six, had been owned by Leslie's father, Harry, who had collapsed and died at his daughter's house 12 days previously. And Leslie had been really shaken up quite badly by her father's death. So that's why he kind of said, perhaps she's gone to his house. Howell and Jim didn't find Leslie at the Apostle. But Howell went back a second time, this time with an off-duty police officer. And on this second time looking around, they found Leslie and Trevor slumped in a parked Toyota with a pipe running from the exhaust into the car. They were both dead. And in 1992, the coroner's court ruled that they had died from an apparent suicide pact. So who were Colin, Leslie, Trevor and Hazel? So before we look at them in a bit more detail, I'm just going to set the scene of where we're going to be headed this week, Mark. So Coleraine is a town and civil parish near the mouth of the River Ban in County Londonderry on the north coast of Northern Ireland. It was, wasn't it? I was like, oh, don't, don't say that wrong. During the day, Coleraine is busy, but it's relatively quiet at night and much of the nightlife in the area is at the nearby seaside sort of resort towns. But during the day, it is near the Causeway Coast tourist route and it attracts over 2 million annual visitors. North of Coleraine is the scenic coastal town of Port Stewart with a sandy beach and coastal walks and northwest of Coleraine lies a small village called Castle Rock with a beach which is essentially a continuation of the beach at Port Stewart. There are a number of ancient sites, historical landmarks and forts and I just thought it sounded like a really beautiful place to visit and indeed to live as well if you're the lucky people there. It's just classically I don't know, like uh, Northern Irish, all surrounded by coast and moody water, and yeah, I can picture it vividly. It does, yeah, 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 just it does sound really beautiful. So I said to you about who 
Colin and Leslie were. So we've got Hazel and Trevor, that's the other couple in this story. And Hazel and Trevor had married in July 1981 at Omar Baptist Church. The couple went on to have two children and they were soon after they were married. In 1986, the family had moved to Coleraine and joined the congregation of Coleraine Baptist Church. Hazel Stewart was known as a glamorous regular on the social scene of the policing community along Northern Ireland's northern coast. And so the couple were quite often pictured in the local press at charity dinners. To most people, Colin and Leslie Howell and their children were a very normal, normal, happy Christian family. They were involved in the church and the local community. Colin was, as I said before, a dentist and Leslie was a nurse who helped to run the Sunday school. So they had four young children and the eldest was just six at the time of Leslie's death. But behind closed doors, their marriage wasn't as perfect as it may have seemed. Howell claimed that things hadn't been great between him and Leslie since before their marriage in 1983 and that things had continued to deteriorate as the years passed. Howell claimed his wife had started to express doubts about why they'd got married in the first place and he'd lost his motivation and begun to look around. He said, We came into the marriage with unhappiness between us, but we both sincerely wanted it to work. But it didn't. Sad, really, isn't it? When they've got four children, yeah, as well. That you know, I, I completely understand these things happen. But they've brought four children into this world in what is a really unhappy relationship and marriage. And like he says, he's just looking around. You just don't do that, do you? You try it's and awful, isn't it? make it work or bring it to an end. And there were some bits that I'd read about how they they'd had pregnancies prior to their marriage. And that Leslie had actually had abortions, which at the time was illegal in Northern Ireland. They'd gone to England for this. And um, because of the two of them saying, like, we shouldn't have the shame of having a child before we were married. So they'd kind of gone through a lot prior to their marriage and still gone ahead with the marriage. And I did wonder, like, was this him saying this afterwards or was this just him because he's having affairs and he's trying to justify himself? Or was it the case? Like, I just couldn't quite work it out. We only have his word for it, don't we? So from Leslie's perspective, it could have been largely a happy marriage. It's so weird, isn't it? When you just you just don't know, you, nobody will ever know the full what was going on behind closed doors. No, Leslie may have confided in friends or family about the state of her marriage, but she might not have done. So yeah, we literally just have Colin's word to go on. And the pair had begun dating in 1981. They'd met in Belfast and they'd married in June 1983. Howell said that his unhappiness grew when his wife was pregnant with their youngest two children in the late 80s, a time, he said, when he had to shoulder more responsibility in terms of the family. And he explained sort of his affairs, saying, Leslie was very astute and intelligent, a match for me, so there were often arguments and debates and she generally got the upper hand. He said this had made him feel insecure and he wanted to look for someone who approved of me. I I feel like we all know a cheat who has excuses like this. Mm, for me, I, I, I actually sort of understand his logic. It doesn't make it right. Mm. But weirdly, I can sort of understand if he's this sort of macho guy and feels that part of his ego isn't being fed by his wife, then... He, I can sort of understand that in his mind, he would need to look elsewhere to get that oh, fed. Yeah. But I do kind it, of get what you're right. saying, because whatever you're missing in your relationship is what you then look for when you're cheating, if, if you are a person yeah. who is cheating. So it does make sense, but it's such a shitty excuse in my it, It's a really like, shitty excuse. Oh, she's excuse. pregnant, so I've had to shoulder more responsibility. Or she's got a newborn. Yeah, that really annoys me. You knew yeah. what you were doing when you were expanding the family. 
Mm-hmm. And of course, you're going to have to pick up some of the slack at home if she's, uh, you know, pregnant with, with uh, more children. Yeah, but that's not a crime. So I won't focus no, on it too much, but, but he is we a all dick. know what I think about him. <laughs> and then most local people believed after the bodies of Leslie and Trevor were found that they'd taken their lives because they were having an affair. But actually, the truth was very different. And it was Colin who was ha- the one having an affair. And he'd actually been seeing Hazel secretly for a couple of years. And Hazel's Trevor's wife. Trevor's wife. Howell said he got to know Hazel Stewart, who also attended his church, when she worked as an assistant in the playgroup that his children attended. They grew closer as they saw each other often when they'd take their children for swimming lessons. She approached Howell and said she was impressed with the way he was doing his front crawl, and the conversation between them led to him offering to give her lessons. She said she had problems with her breathing when she was swimming, and after a few lessons, Howell said he ran his hand across her stomach. She Just... she sounds oh, it's vile, but she sounds <laughs> that is a line, isn't it? Oh, I'm impressed with your front crawl. Perhaps you could <laughs> teach me. I mean, Jesus, it gets better. It gets better. So Howell said that Stuart hadn't stopped him, but he did apologise and then went on to admit that he was not having innocent thoughts about her. And Stuart said, "Well, I'm not that innocent myself," and then swam away. <laughs> mm, so she was gagging for it. Isn't that so cheeky? And then later, the pair made a new excuse to meet up. So Howell was going to teach Stuart guitar. And when he went to her house for the lesson, she answered the door in a short denim skirt and sleeveless low-cut blouse. And he said, I knew I wasn't there for guitar lessons. Oh, no. I feel like I've written a Mills and Boone book here. Honestly, it really does. All some terrible porno from the 1980s. (laughs) So the two started an affair that took place not just in their homes, but in the dentist chair in Howell's surgery. Oh, and at gross. one point, I know, isn't That's it disgusting. creepy? So they're fucking on that dentist chair, and then he's seen patients in it. Yeah. Um. What I will say to you, Mark, is it actually gets actually worse in like not even a funny way with him and his dentist chair. So keep the thought of that dentist chair in your head, and then you'll want to burn your your brain later. <laughs> oh God. So at one point, the pair were confronted by their pastor and they actually agreed to try marriage counselling. So they're they're all really involved in the church and a few times they've been caught out by people and the church kind of got involved and were kind of like, look, you guys need to sort your own marriages out and you need to stop this affair. Yeah, fair enough. That's that's really where a church should look to step in. So I, I applaud that. So early in 1990, Hazel Stewart had an abortion in England and their secret relationship kind of faltered at this point. But soon the pair resumed their affair and they also admitted then to their respective partners. So as we said before, Colin then told Leslie and Hazel told Trevor, but it was obviously Leslie and Trevor who were found later. So it's all all very odd. Distressed Leslie Howell was using prescription drugs to cope with what was going on and at one point she wrote that note that was later presented to the police as evidence of her emotional mindset. Trevor really pushed for the marriages to continue and he really hoped that they'd work out and both couples got counselling but Howell described the attraction like an addiction. After Leslie and Trevor were found dead, Colin and Hazel did continue their relationship At first, their rekindled romance was a secret, but by 1994, Howell took his children round to Hazel's house. The couple went on family holidays with their children to Newcastle, County Down and the Lake District. And in 1995, Howell proposed to Stuart. He visited two dentistry practices in Scotland, and there was this view of blending their families together and resettling somewhere. But their relationship then ended in 1996. 
Howell soon met his second wife, Kyle Jorgensen. She was an American divorcee with two children who had fled abuse in America, and the pair met at either, because reports differ, a Bible study class or a new a sort of singles night for the church at Howell's home. One of the two. I mean, it could have been a Bible study class for singles, I don't know. Um, and that was in December 1996, so he kind of didn't really waste much time. By February, they were engaged. And the new Mrs. Howell fell pregnant a fortnight after their wedding in May, which brought the number of children in their blended family to seven. Howell told his new wife that he had had difficulties in his first marriage, claiming that Leslie Howell had abortions and that she'd been drinking. But the worst was yet to come. So before we discuss the kind of twist in this tale, we're going to hear from this week's show sponsor, which is Noom. So Howell had a confession to tell his wife, Kyle. And he confessed just over a year after they got married. So basically, Howell had just finished his dinner and the children were playing outside. And he told Kyle, Leslie and Trevor had not committed suicide. He and Hazel, Stuart, had plotted together and had carried out their plan and had killed their respective partners. Did you see that coming, Mark? I, I did, yeah. yeah. But I, probably because I, I probably sort of you vaguely know... Yeah, vaguely know of the case and... Yeah, neither of them sounded very nice. So Hazel and um, Colin don't come across as nice people. So I'm not surprised that they plotted together to uh, finish off their other halves so they could then go on to have a relationship, even though that then came to an end pretty soon after. I think that's what makes me feel really sad, isn't it? Like they did all this and for what? For what they've killed two people, they've taken a mother and a father away from children, from their families. And yeah, like for what? for Mm -hmm. a couple of years of togetherness that just wasn't going to last. Kyle was, in her words, freaked out and scared by the confession. And he, she told him then, you have to go to the police. And Howell initially consented to go to the police after his wife promised that she'd stand by him, she'd visit him in prison and she'd look after the children until he got out. But he persuaded her that he first needed to set up their financial security. So he'd sell off his dental practice in Scotland first And then after this, he kind of refused and basically said to her, she needs to think about the children and what this would mean for them. For 10 years, he refused to go to the police and he was adamant that he would take a secret to the grave. He even threatened Kyle that he would kill himself if she tried to push him. But things started to fall apart for Howell and he felt like he was being punished by God. In 2007, Howell's son Matthew, so now aged 22, was in Russia studying as part of his undergraduate language study and he fell more than 40 feet down a stairwell in an apartment building onto a concrete floor below. He died instantaneously. Howell was quoted in the Belfast Telegraph praising his role model son, saying Matthew has had far too many qualities to miss. Losing your son, particularly so far away, cannot be a worse loss. The paper said how grieving Colin and Kyle, Matthew's American-born stepmother, were eager to bring their son's body home as soon as possible. Not only was this heartbreaking for Howell because he'd lost his son, but there was another element to this, which I'm going to go into in a little bit. And Howell had also lost a huge amount of money in a gold project, which turned out to be a scam. He lost over £350,000 in a bid to find missing gold in the Philippines, missing gold that had apparently been hidden in chambers by the Japanese, but it was just a huge scam. Funny that. Yeah. Sounds so so implausible, doesn't it? It's mad, isn't it? A few people have kind of theorised that potentially he was almost looking to be punished, if you know what I mean, and that he yeah, was yeah. kind of doing that 
that way. To appease to appease his guilt, mm-hmm. absolutely, yeah. So these two things really made Colin Howell feel like he was just being punished. On Thursday, January the 28th, 2009, Kyle Howell turned her husband in the kitchen of their family home and told him, Colin, today is the day. Howell told her it didn't feel like the right moment for him and he probably wanted another day to work it out and his wife insisted, no, this is the moment. And so finally, over 19 years after the murders, Howell handed himself in at the police station. He confessed to the murders and implicated Hazel Stewart, who had by then remarried, and her second husband was also a police officer. He later told the court, I just knew that the time had come out that the truth had to be told. I was overwhelmed by my conscience from hiding those crimes for so long, and I believed that there still were more scars that needed to be put right, and I wanted to tell the truth. That was my only motive. In February 2009, both Howell and Stewart were charged with the murders and remanded awaiting trial. Press report stated, Colin Howell and Hazel Stewart are charged with the murders of their former partners, Trevor Buchanan and Leslie Howell. At the time, both denied their charges. And in the April, Kyle filed for divorce and made plans to return to America. A BBC News report in April 2009 stated, the wife and 10 children of a dentist facing a double murder charge have left Northern Ireland for a new life in the US. Mrs Kyle Howell... 43, has filed for divorce as part of plans to make a fresh start on the other side of the Atlantic where her parents live. Divorce papers were lodged at the High Court in Belfast. Dr Howell is understood to be on suicide watch in the prison hospital at Magaberry near Lisbon, County Antrim, where he's been held since his arrest almost three months ago. And the news report stated that Kyle had two children from a previous marriage, three of the children were from Howell's first marriage, and five were from his second marriage to Kyle. Wow, so, so they had five children. kids together then. Yeah, that's... Um, what I find interesting is that he'd confessed to Kyle, so I think you said they'd been together a couple of years, and then mm. he confessed to her yeah. what he'd done, and she'd encouraged him to go to the police, and he'd said no. like, married for a year or something, yeah. Yeah, so not been together long, and he'd confessed... And then he, for years and years and years, resisted going to the police. Mm-hmm. So it was almost, he, again, he just had to appease his conscience by at least admitting it to someone. It's all probably yeah. bound up in his religion, isn't it? But mm-hmm. yeah, he had to tell he had to tell her and that was enough. And he, he couldn't face taking that further and, and telling the, the authorities. He also is such drama queen, Mark, as well, because when she had said to him, like, you really need to do this... Um, he'd planned, like he'd booked a hotel to have a room in the hotel where he could confess to all of the church elders oh and the police God. at once. And sort of thing I'd do, Bethan. Yeah, honestly, it's mad. He was, and then his parents couldn't make it down that day for some reason. So he was like, "Well, I can't do it today, then." And that's why she was like, "Today is the day. Like you've built up yeah. to this, you've got to go to the police." So instead of going to this hotel room that he'd, like, a conference that he'd put on. Oh, that's ridiculous. Like a press conference. Honestly, that's the sort of, like, this is the things with him. He's just, he's mind-bogglingly egotistical. Yeah. But also yeah. so wrapped up in this religious guilt that he needs to confess. It's very fascinating. In March 2010, there was a preliminary hearing and the press reported that Howell was also charged with, are you ready for this, Mark, drugging mm-hmm. and indecently assaulting women patients at his clinic on separate dates over a 10-year period dating wow. back to March 1998. I did not see that come in. Isn't it disgusting? Because I, I, I sort of vaguely recollect this case, but didn't remember that at all. I'm For some reason, that like shocks me. 
It's really creepy as isn't much it? as the the two murders. Yeah, it's I, we we I'm sure we've seen it before. I I know we covered in Crime Wave the doctor who had allegedly put oh, his own semen, semen in a cup of tea that he then gave to a woman. <laughs> we don't know if it's oh, a patient so or what, gross. and she drank it. So I know it's not that, but I feel like we've come across this before, where where a doctor or a dentist was drugging patients and then sexually assaulting them yeah. whilst they're unconscious. It just really bothers me. I know it's so cliched that they're in a position of power and um, the patients are vulnerable and all of that. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, is, it's it does. Really just it is so true. It, it just like, massively bothers me. Yeah. Is that abuse of power? Yeah. Yeah. It's low. It's really low. Yeah. And so in that preliminary hearing, it was the first time that the two accused had sat in the dock together. They were separated by a prison officer. Howell was wearing jeans, a white t-shirt and a grey sports top. He appeared to pray and then just stared straight ahead. Stuart wore a blue raincoat and black trousers, bowed her head and closed her eyes. Howell was remanded in custody while Stuart was released on continuing bail. And after a few delays in November 2010, the trial eventually began. And so here we kind of finally hear the truth about what happened to Leslie and Trevor. But before I go through it fully, I wanted to give you a couple of bits of information about things that happened leading up to the trial. So in October 2010, so just weeks before the trial was due to start, Colin Howell admitted he was guilty of indecently assaulting three patients in his surgery between July and December 2008. So these poor women had been sedated by Howell, who they trusted as their dentist. And as we said, just gross and and low but he then denied a number of other charges against these women and others so the charges spanned about 10 years but he was kind of only going to admit to three women in this short time i think if i mean clearly he had been doing this for years and years and years it's not just the kind of thing you do for a short period of time so why just admit to three specimen charges and not tell the whole truth Oh, gross. But, you know, I mean, I just can't (laughs) really understand that. I really can't. Yeah. Like, he's trying to keep control still. He could have abused hundreds of patients over a a decade or so. And then just days before his trial was due to start in November 2010, Colin Howell changed his murder plea to guilty. So we'll go back to the 18th of May, 1991. But actually, first of all, we'll kind of look at the weeks leading up to that date. So according to Hazel Stewart, the plan was entirely down to Howell. In the week prior to the murders, he had fashioned an adapter for his garden hose using a baby's bottle cut in half. He'd also been measuring the right dose of sedatives for Stuart to give to her husband, Trevor. She chose to administer them to him via a tuna sandwich. And this is where I start to struggle with whether or not I believe Stuart or not and how far I believe her. Because it was a tuna sandwich or... No, you just thought in it was general. a different kind of sandwich. No, no I, know, I, liked, I, know. I like tuna sandwiches. I'd eat tuna. Oh, I quite like tuna sandwich, yeah. There we go. Um, so she kind of says that Howell held all the power in their relationship and that he would drug her at his dental practice and sexually assault her while she was unconscious. And he stated to the court that whilst he had been the lead in the plans, she went along with them willingly. And actually the... Fact, uh, the accusation of him drugging her was never part of the other charge, those indecent assaults. Her side of things was completely separate. So she's talked about this, but he's never been charged with it against her. Um, She said 
She only went along with those plans willingly because she was terrified of what Howell might do to her. She felt isolated and alone. She was a woman in an affair who'd had an abortion. So something that was not only taboo within her religion, but that was illegal in Northern Ireland at the time, and this was held over her by Howell. So if we take her at her word, perhaps she was a victim of coercive control. And maybe if this had happened 20 years later, things might have been different. And from reading about this case and learning about this case... I really struggle here because there were a lot of chances for her to get out of this plot and this plan and for her to not go along with it. And we'll kind of see that as we go through. But I can understand this, that potentially she was a victim of coercive control. And it's a really hard one to even draw a line around, isn't it, really? Yeah, it is really difficult because we had the case of Sally Challen, which I know you covered a year or so ago, maybe a couple of years ago. Um, and that's when coercive control really came yeah. into uh, our consciousness. So we really have an understanding of it now. Mm. And we can look back at different murders committed by women, particularly of, of partners. And we can say, actually, we can see it with a fresh pair of eyes and perhaps it was coercively controlling. And that was their only way of, of sort of bringing their circumstances to an end but my concern is we 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 can just almost justify any woman killing a partner if they cry coercive control then how do we know how do we know whether it was or it wasn't and I think it's just it's an excuse potentially that's going to be used time and again now sometimes it's absolutely relevant uh to be brought into a case but other times I, I just think People will just say it and it's not going to be true. That's my concern with it, really. So we don't know with Hazel. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, that it's a concern that bringing this into cases, we need some sort of, I want to say proof, but that's almost impossible when it's... yeah. Um, it's a really abuse. sensitive subject because I don't want to, I don't want to diminish it and it does exist and it does happen. And there's probably lots of historic cases. We talked about Tracy Andrews, uh, who killed her fiance Lee Harvey in 96. And she went down for murder for that. She's out now, but we talked about that in the Q and A last week. And that, to be fair, uh, what appeared to be quite a violent relationship on both sides. And it could be that there was some coercive control there. And Tracy was acting out because it was the only way she could get herself out of that situation. So. I think it's really valid, but yeah, my concern is that it could just be used as an excuse when it's absolutely not. And with Hazel, we don't know whether she was a victim of coercive control. She could have totally been happy with this plan and yeah, let Howell um, kind of crack on with it and guide her in terms of what to do. But it really could have been that she was an absolutely willing participant, but she might not have been. Yeah, it's so difficult. And I think the knowledge that we have now that Howell was drugging and... I mean, he doesn't doesn't deny that he was drugging Hazel Stewart in his dentist chair, and he doesn't deny having sex with her. His opinion is that it was consensual sex. Her side of it is that it was non-consensual. It was a sexual assault or a rape, um, depending mm. on the different scenarios at different times, and it was multiple times. So it's it all comes down to do we believe what she's saying, what he's saying. But I've now started to believe her a lot more because the more I've seen about him... He just sounds horrific. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be interesting to know whether Hazel came out with those allegations of being drugged and assaulted and raped before it was made public that Howell had then 
done that to other people so like did she hear that he'd done it to other people thought well I'm going to say I was also a victim because if she'd come out with that first and then it comes out that he'd done it to other people I would I would believe that more Mm. it's um yeah it's a really interesting case I think a lot of this comes to like that Christian guilt thing as well and the feeling of like the the sins and stuff they were very very religious and I mean the fact that they were can you know, they were part of the church in like a major way and the church was trying to counsel them both to stay in their yeah. relationships. I do think potentially she felt like she had no way out because even when the affair came out and she was trying to carry on, Howell still had this secret that he was holding over her. But I, I still feel like there was enough time, there were no, numerous times that she could have just not gone along with this plan. That's what really frustrates me. But if she was a genuine victim of coercive control, it's so easy. It's like somebody in a, an abusive relationship saying, well, they could have left a million times. Exactly. But you just exactly. can't. Yeah. And I'm there saying, well, there's loads of times that she could have stopped this. But she, if she isn't, and and this is the thing, we're talking about something that at this point wasn't known about. And we no. we can't say for definite. So I just think it's a really fascinating sort of side to this case. It is. It really is. Yeah, it's a really valid discussion to have around it for sure. So let's hear about what happened on the night of Saturday the 18th of May. Leslie had, according to Howell, at least been drinking and had taken sleeping tablets. She'd fallen asleep on the sofa in the lounge and Howell attached that garden hose to the car using the baby bottle adapter that he'd made. And I don't know why, but him using a baby's bottle is really awful. And I guess because I know that also asleep in the house was their nine month old. Like that would have been their baby's bottle that he's cut in half and used it. It really freaked me out that did. No, I get it. You'd, you'd think that that might have jolted him out to his senses and jolted him out of doing this because he'd think this is a baby that we created and brought into the world that I'm going to deprive of its mom. So I can't do this. So in the house, there was also their eldest son, who was age six, a daughter who was four and a son who was two. And in fact, it had been his birthday that day, oh, which just God, made me awful. even more sick. So yeah. Howell had pra- placed a hockey stick under the bedroom door to stop his kids leaving their room if they were to get up. He ran the hose through the utility room and the kitchen into the lounge and then placed it next to his sleeping wife's face. He headed outside and turned on the car and then waited by the lounge door as the fumes seeped into the room inches from Leslie's face. Leslie woke up, startled and confused, and she called out to her son Matthew. Howell rushed into the room, put the hose up to Leslie's face, covered her face with a duvet and held it there and waited until she died. He even checked her chest to be sure before removing the duvet and the poisonous hosepipe. Oh my God, that is the worst part of it for me. So she she is conscious, she's woken up in a really confused state because she's got carbon monoxide running through her veins, but she is lucid enough to call for her son Matthew, which in, in itself is disturbing that she would seek the help of a six-year-old child over her husband. But then Hal comes into the room and literally puts the hose up to her face. She would have sort of realised that this was happening and that he was killing her. That is just, uh, I mean, I, I have no words for that. And the fact that she'd called out for Matthew was an element which had always haunted Howell. And it was a key reason as to why he felt God was punishing him because Matthew was the one who died in his early 20s in Russia. And that had been the last word on, on Leslie's mouth before she died. Yeah. 
Howell then got Leslie dressed in a t-shirt and leggings and carried her to the car where he put her in the boot. He covered her with a blanket and his bicycle and then started out to Hazel's house. Um, First of all, he kind of rang her and said, I'm finished with Leslie, is everything ready? And Hazel Stewart confirmed that she had played her part in the plan, so she drugged her husband with the sedatives in that sandwich. At the Buchanan home, Trevor was asleep upstairs. Um, He was like fully dressed and he'd obviously just fallen asleep because of the sedatives rather than I think I don't really know whether she'd put him to bed or what, what the situation was, but he was in their bed upstairs. Howell once again attached that hose to the car exhaust and headed up through the family home. He placed it close to Trevor's face, went down and turned on the engine. Um, but he then kind of headed back up to the room and Trevor woke up and he fought for his life. He kind of spotted Howell in the doorway and attacked him, but it was to no, no avail. Howell managed to trap Trevor's arms inside a quilt he pulled it over his head and once again he kind of put that hose pipe inside next to the head inside the quilt. He listened and he waited as Trevor took his last breaths with Hazel just outside the door listening in. This is I know we've covered we've covered some appalling crimes and murders in the past. So I think of like the New Cross double murder, for example, which I've referenced a few times over the yeah. last couple of years, where the living room of, of these two exchange students resembled an abattoir by the time they're killer had finished with them that was brutal and vile but this even though there's no blood it's a very unusual and different type of murder this is almost for me equally as disturbing as something like the new cross double murder the way that the victims have become conscious and realize that they are being murdered by howl and are then fighting back and then with this one howl kind of manages to contort the duvet around trevor so that he's trapped and then shoves a fucking pipe inside i just like again i have no words for it yeah it's just I, yeah, I can't. I honestly can't describe how I feel. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's just equally as shocking as as something like when we've covered really brutal murders when people have been decapitated, etc. This is equally as shocking for me, which I didn't think it would be, but it yeah. is. No, I completely agree. I'm reading this, and it's, I think for me, it's the knowledge of these people. There was, there was that last moment of like, actually, you could have just stopped this right there. Like, you could have stopped so many points along this these lives could have been saved and and just that moment of i really sort of empathy i can really put my feet in the shoes of the victims and that moment of realization that heart-sinking feeling of i am being murdered by howl right now yeah howl himself had become affected by the fumes and so he had to pop outside for a short while to get some fresh air poor colin howl feeling dizzy i'm not surprised he should have put but he should have put a fucking gas mask on. What does he think? He's going to be able to... Well, he thought he could stand at the doorway. He didn't think yeah. that he'd have to get involved. Oh, of course, yeah. Mm. So Trevor was dressed, so kind of luckily for Howell, he only had to take his body down to the car. He didn't have to dress him as well. And he put him in the boot alongside Leslie and off he headed to Leslie's father's old house. Along the way, he dropped his bicycle on a grass verge. When he arrived at the home, Howell put on surgical gloves and began to stage the scene. He reversed into the garage, placed Trevor's body into the driver's seat and left the door open. He left Leslie's body in the boot, but callously he placed family photos around her, put her headphones on her head and pressed play on some Christian music on her personal stereo system. Just Well, that makes sense. It makes sense, but I just it just really made me feel awful that he's like staging all the, I don't know, I just hate the staging. Oh, I thought you I thought you meant like 
carelessly, not callously. No, yeah, oh, no, that no, makes like, sense. Yeah, I feel like that's callous. quite callous. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Totally, <laughs> yeah, 100%, you're right. No, sorry, that was just me. He then attached the hose onto the car exhaust for the third time that night, fed it back through the car and turned on the engine for the final time. And then he walked back to where he'd left his bike. He kind of burned some evidence along the way and then he cycled home. He checked on his children, who luckily were still asleep, and then he headed to bed himself. And in total, the murders and cover-up had taken less than four hours. The following morning, he continued to kind of keep that plan going. So he reported Leslie missing and he used that emotional note that she'd written in the past and said it was a suicide note from the night before. He'd concocted a story about how Leslie and Trevor were so devastated by their respective partner's affair that they saw no way out. He made up the story about Leslie and Trevor being at his home with Trevor getting physically violent towards him. And the police ignored certain elements of the scene, such as Trevor's leg sticking out of the car door and the car door being open. They really believed that scene that was in front of them. Um, And actually, I kind of understand that all of the evidence pointed to this scenario. And I I do kind of get that they would just believe it. It makes sense. It makes sense. And he would have gotten away with this had he not um confessed to his wife Kyle and had she not then encouraged him to finally confess to the authorities had he not confessed he would have got away with this because the police had bought the fact that it was a suicide pact yeah on the 3rd of December 2010 Howell was sentenced to life with a minimum term of 21 years in the sentencing remarks the judge said that Howell had carried out a truly heinous crime the cold-blooded carefully planned and ruthlessly executed double murder of two people He said that the killings had taken place while the victims were sleeping and thus entirely defenceless and that two innocent people were murdered and six children had been deprived of the love of their mother or father, as you said at the beginning, Mark. And I think that's something that's really key here is those children have lost their mother or father. Yeah, yeah. Victim impact statements were read out from two of Howell's children, Leslie's brother and numerous people from Trevor's family. In February 2011, Stuart's trial began, and during the trial, Howell gave evidence saying that she had been a willing participant, that the plot wouldn't have been able to go ahead without her. But he was also painted as a dangerously scary man who had once whipped Leslie with a live electrical cable while she was in the bath, Um, a man who had terrified Stuart, who had drugged women and sexually assaulted them, and Stuart pleaded not guilty to the murders. On the 14th day of the trial, it was her birthday, which I just thought was such terrible timing. <laughs> and it was the point when the judge began his summing up. And I just thought, what's the, what are the chances? I know it's your birthday is going to happen at some point in the year, but I just thought, oh, it's a bit rubbish. Well, really I, I think that's, a, I think that's the least. Things. I honestly think that's the least of her problems at this time. No, I know. Thinking, you know oh, I really missed like out on a good birthday. Yeah, but you know when something jumps out at you, you're like, yeah. oh, that is really... But equally, she went along with this plot, so... So the judge put to the jury the question of whether Howell and Stewart had been in it together. That was kind of what he said. This is what it boils down to, is we know that she didn't hold the duvet down over anybody's face and anything like that, but were they in it together? It took the jury just over two hours to decide that, yes, she was guilty, and she was sentenced to life with a minimum term of 18 years. The judge said... By its verdict in this case, the jury has accepted that Stuart and Howell were in it together and her part in the dreadful events of the night, which saw the murder of her husband and of Leslie Howell, was not just that of a passive onlooker, but as an active participant, albeit to a lesser extent than Howell. And so there we go. 
what a case. So what are your thoughts then, Mark? I do genuinely think that Hazel Stewart was a victim of coercive control. And since researching this case, I I do think that, that was that was the situation here. I think that she was consumed by not only guilt of the murders and having to keep quiet and that sort of thing you know she's gone on to marry someone else and never mention this ever again because she's so terrified and when she was in the affair she was having an affair with quite a scary controlling guy but I do have that little struggle in me of like there were so many moments where something could have changed I don't know it's it's such a hard one for me to get my head around yeah I ordinarily I'm quite uh, an advocate of coercive control not not actually sort of partaking <laughs> in it quite an advocate really of coercive but do, control but do you know what I mean like I'm, no, I'm, I'm I not, know you mean not, as a defence yeah as a defence I'm not someone that disbelieves it um it does happen it, ha- it will be happening right now and it must be torturous to be in a relationship like that and I think turning to murder is sometimes I, I can understand that if you're the victim of coercive control, that might feel like the only option. I do understand that. I'm not saying it's right. And coercive control isn't a get out of jail free card. It just means that the sentence might be vastly reduced and the charge might be downgraded from murder to manslaughter, for example. So it's not a get out of jail free card. And it does happen. It does exist. I just don't know with Hazel. I just you've researched this obviously you you know it more than me but from from what I know of it now I just get the impression she wasn't a good person she wasn't a nice person she wasn't a moral person I not because she had to have an abortion it's obviously nothing to do with that at all I just mean because she had an affair and um yeah I just don't think she was all that moral so yeah I could see that she would have thought yeah I'm going to go through with this I do also think that even if you don't personally think that there's anything wrong with having an abortion, and I think we're both the same on that stance, is that in their religion at that point and in their country at that time it was illegal and they were keeping these things secret because mm. to them it it wasn't something they should do. So then in that aspect, I don't think she's particularly moral to her own morals. Yeah, if that makes I get sense. That. Yeah. yeah. Like Certainly, for our morals, it, she's yeah. not doing anything wrong, but... In, but in her, her community, morals, abortion her, was yeah. wrong. Yeah, and she'd been brought up to believe it was wrong. Yeah, but then not she a could very she could have she could have totally been pushed into that by Colin Howe. Yeah, and yeah. and she and might have wanted that, that child. Leslie had had, and um, I feel like it was three or something abortions yeah. secretly before they were married because of that. I get the impression he he was a guy that just got what he wanted. Yeah, probably probably was against using contraception from a religious point of view. He would have been yeah. Yeah. Like, from, so, the, from that religion, then yes, he would So, have. almost like wanted to have his cake and eat it, you know. Yeah. I want I want to have unprotected sex, but I don't want to suffer the consequences, so... Yeah, and the, also, the, if their religion says you shouldn't have sex before marriage, well, they're, yeah. they're having sex before marriage, so they're not being very moral there either, with their own morals. So, do let us know on social media your thoughts, everybody who's listened to this episode, and tell us what you think happened with this case. Give us a follow on Instagram in particular because we're nearly at 5,000 followers on there and we'll do something special when we get to 5,000. We probably won't do something with the 5,000th follower, but we could do like a competition for our Instagram followers, I think. Oh, that sounds like fun. 
We've done that before. We'll do that yeah, when we get to like 5k. That. So as Mark said at the beginning of the episode, we're going to have a short break before we're back with season eight. And this month we also celebrate four years of the show. So thank you so much for joining us every week for episodes. We love you all and we'll be back at the beginning of season eight. We will see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.